Insights to Live By, the podcast, discovering new pearls of wisdom to enrich our lives. What holds more intelligence, your brain or your heart? Hello and Welcome to Insights to Live By. I am your host, Matt Zinman. So thrilled to have you here joining us for this conversation. Definitely brings us to the edge of Insights to Live By. A special guest about to join us. She is a corporate wellness and life leadership mentor and, among other things, a keynote speaker, human capital strategist, but maybe most importantly of all, she is the omnipreneurial psychologist. Hema Vias, welcome to the show. Lovely to be here, Matt. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Oh, it's a pleasure. So um, we have you across the pond here today in the UK. You're, are you in, you're in the London area? Absolutely, yes. Now, now you're in London proper or somewhere in the outskirts? In the proper London Central, and we're having a bit of a heat wave today, so I hope it's not too noisy. Oh, oh no worries, no worries. We all just roll with this. Whatever happens, happens. And it's just us. Now, I'm, I'm interested to know, I, I'm not sure people have heard the expression. It was certainly less familiar to me. Um, omni, omnipreneurial. Now, naturally, we're talking about business people who are uh, in, in how they conduct business, but where does Omni come from? What's, what's the meaning behind it as we, as we enter the conversation here? So Omni in Hindu sort of culture, it simply means, you know, the all, everything, and the fact that everything is interconnected, everything is interrelated, and we are part of that. So we are part of nature, nature is a part of us, and every living organism is a part of us. And so really it's about bringing together in business all aspects of who we are, not just the business side of things and so it really originated from an idea about the fact that we need to integrate more of you know our personal selves our emotional selves our psychological selves our spiritual selves into the space of business so that we're working from a place of wholeness because despite what we've been led to believe in decades past you know the idea that everything is separate or we are separate you know, it doesn't hold true anymore. And more and more people are recognizing that there's a wholeness and we need to come from a place of wholeness if we're really going to succeed and thrive. Right. Well, you know, I think that there, I, I certainly have to agree with you, not only because you're my guest, but because it's my observation as well. Now, I think people are are catching on in this way from a personal standpoint, that there is an individual awakening and a greater awareness about some, a number of things that you're saying, but now this is translating over into the business realm, how people conduct themselves. That's a whole other different uh, level. And uh, amazing that, you know, you are in a leadership role uh, helping to connect these dots. Cause I don't know people really think of, Oh, I want to be more aware of things, but how it also enters into their business dealings. 
So uh, is that something unusual that you encounter that, right? It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, please. Absolutely. You know, I started my career many, many years ago. And so about 30 odd years ago, when I was talking about the heart, it was an absolute no-no. And I had to find lots of other ways of expressing what I was doing. A lot of it was sort of emotional intelligence, which was quite big um, back then. So you talk about emotional intelligence, but it was a small segment of the work that I would do in terms of developing people. But it was really interesting because it's like, how can you leave out a big aspect of emotional intelligence? It stems from the heart. And, and so people weren't really interested. And in, like I say, it was a big no-no. And gradually, the more that I've been working with it, you know, and the more people have had personal experiences with me and they've seen the impact on their businesses, that's what's created a shift, but it's still quite slow. And that's why I love doing podcasts like this, because it's really about, like you say, connecting the dots. People can see the importance of growing in self-awareness and taking time for self-care and wellness, etc. But they don't always attribute it to leadership and business and actually, you know, business success. But when they see how their personal lives are impacting, how they show up at work, how they show up with other people, how they show up in terms of projects, and but also decision-making, critical thinking, all of these things are impacted by who they are day by day. And so the shift has happened gradually, slowly, and but now I think it's definitely accelerating more and more people are really interested they see that there is absolutely an advantage a business advantage in really taking care of the people taking care of themselves and learning some of the skills that I have to teach around it well I think that certainly emotional intelligence is something that is in and into itself more mainstream um and and yet you know, you've, it's, it's gaining advances because of you, Emma. I mean, you know, for what it is that you do, um, certainly uh, a specialty uh, expertise, and I'm sure word of mouth has uh, a lot to do with it. And I, if I, my understanding is correct here, that um, you are positioned in terms of guiding the path to commercial success, evolutionary and inclusive leadership, well-being and positive impact for independent startups, corporates, and diverse global audiences. And I can tell you, I did not memorize that. That's very. <laughs> I don't expect you to, even I don't remember all of that. It's, so it's easy. Well done. It's easy to get right when I just can read it. But what's interesting is that you, uh, this isn't just on the fringe here. You are working with and have worked with clients like Google, Visa, Ernst & Young, uh, on and on. That certainly helps bring this into the forefront of best practices. But how do they find out about you? And when they're engaging you, what is it they ask you to come in and do uh, in uh, a typical client engagement like that? So I think it's a very personal journey. And like you say, word of mouth, that's definitely been the way to go. So the personal journey is very much when somebody is in crisis and, you know, who do the leaders go to? 
they have to go outside sometimes because there's no one in the organization that they can turn to. And so that's where they usually come to me. They turn to me to help support what's going on for them personally, what's going on for them within the organization, what's going on for their teams and, and how to bring it all together. And so it's been really, really, I would say it's really easy because unfortunately when you're at crisis point you will take whatever help you can get and that's where people sort of reach out for things they would not normally reach out for and so I built my business by being there in crisis moments for people and that's what's really shifted things where they've gone oh my god you know wow that's amazing what you can do right what else can you do what else can you do and it's just added to you know the, the ways in which I can help them. So it starts off with one thing, it starts off on a very personal note, and then it grows and it becomes about the team. Then the best part for me is when it becomes about how to thrive, when they start wanting to talk about creativity and how can they be more innovative and how can they can really use the skills that I'm giving them to, you know, find solutions to problems that they haven't even been able to articulate. So one of the things that I absolutely do for them is help articulate the problem. Because if you don't know what the problem is, you can't find a solution. And what I say is the reason why they're struggling with the solution is because they don't know quite how to put into words what the problem is. And that's that's really the, the point where they bring me in. And I say it the first session they have with me, I articulate it in where they go, oh my God, this is amazing, I need you. And, and they're pretty much hooked. Yeah, right. The light bulb goes on. It's interesting. You know, you've been, uh, you know, advancing your field for 30 years and, you know, it's it's a nice uh, uh, sign of progress to be speaking to these level of companies uh, bringing you in. Uh, What you what we would like to see eventually, right, is that they bring you in proactively. But what I'm hearing you say is, is that they have this a pain point that arises and then it is uh, no doubt lonely at the top and to where do they turn uh, but but you in this way. I'd like to get more specific. Now, without naming names, you, you, if you want to pick as a case study the likes of an Ernst & Young, Google, or Visa, we don't need to know which one you're referring to, but what would be that problem? What is it that's happening in the company more specifically and what is it that you're articulating to them about that, that that light bulb goes on? Let's, let's start there. Um, so usually it's a lot to do with culture and it's a lot to do with power struggles. So for example, you know, you have an amazing idea, you have an amazing team, um, but something or someone above you stops you from really, really being able to be empowered to make those decisions, to lead in the way that you want to lead or they want to lead. And and that's when they, they and everything starts falling apart. And one of the things that I've sort of talked to them about is that until you find your own power, because in these organizations, there's always a hierarchy. And even when you think you've got to the top, you haven't, because there's always something even beyond that right. that is calling the shots. And, and that's one of the struggles. It's like, how do you find that balance of being a leader, being intelligent, being innovative, leading your own team, leading your own organization, your part of the organization, and yet 
being able to do it in a way that doesn't threaten or that you know isn't met with a lot of resistance and a lot of negativity. So often there's a lot of negativity. Often there's a lot of people holding other people back because their egos get in the way, their minds get in the way, and they're trying to sort of stop the flow, which actually you know is going to be amazing. So it's really about the culture changes and how they can influence that, how they can use their own personal skills, use their hard intelligence to really tap in to a level of intelligence, a level of intuitiveness, and a level of communication that doesn't alienate the other people, and yet allows you to really, really be powerful and forge ahead with whatever your ideas are. You know, there's so much lost resources with the people at the top trying to control the people who are sort of still at the top, but not quite at their level, but they're not engaged. They're not actually involved in what's going on. They just look at the numbers. They have a fixed idea of what should happen, but they're not really, you know, they don't have their finger on the pulse. And so that's usually one of the biggest pain points, I would say, is to really help them with their communication skills, but more importantly, teaching them how to be in their hearts so that their hearts become magnet for the right people, the right conversations at the right time. And you know, and you can't put a, a tangible, you know, sort of number on that. It's something that happens organically. You can't create it. You can't say, well, if you go in at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, that's when you're going to get the best results. Right. You teach people how to really tap into their own inner knowingness so they know when to say what to say at the right time in the right way. So essential. And, you know, I could totally relate, Hema, you know, in an earlier career, uh, in my first career in around marketing communication, I was dealing with some of these large companies, Microsoft, Siemens, you know, they all have a, a life of their own uh, culturally. Uh, everyone does have a boss to answer to and CEOs are high, you know, they have the board of directors or the presidents have trustees and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and these challenges that you are describing are uh, typical in a, in a dynamic like that. And certainly the bigger the organization, often the bigger the problems in Absolutely. these different ways. And things happen in, in pockets as well. Uh, and uh, so I'm, are you at the C-suite level, so to speak? Is that they're bringing you in? Because you need to have a budget with all, you know, there's a budget item here. Right. That's where it, it comes to. And uh, and, you know, you, you come with a great value. So someone has to be in uh, a certain level of uh, of of budgetary control in order to bring in uh, a, a specialist like yourself. Uh, and so that I would imagine does happen at the top. And so moving through this case study and you've articulated some of the issues that occur in and around emotional intelligence, in and around improving the communication infrastructure. Um, where, where, to where does that lead? Now that you've kind of pinpointed things, uh, how does that uh, engagement unfold into, uh, let's say, as a case study uh, into success? What does that look like? Uh, so what it looks like is really when you empower that person to really 
be able to hold that balanced position of being a leader and being answerable to, as you say, there's always another boss, everyone has a boss, whether it's the board, whoever it might be. When you empower them to do that, they start making better decisions. They learn the tools, they learn the skills, they learn how to really identify their own truth. They learn how to identify who they are, what drives their kind of vision and how to communicate that vision, how to communicate in such a way that brings everyone along and brings them on board. And how it translates into success is you actually have a much, much better working team. And that team is more productive, happier, and therefore the success is obvious because they are the ones who are firing on all cylinders. They are the ones who are you know, being more creative. They are the ones who are being more proactive. They are the ones who, you know, lives are flowing in such a way that not only are they happy, but they bring that happiness to work. Obviously, in the last year, it's been slightly different. Sure. Um, and in a way, a bit more challenging in some respects. But that happiness is contagious. And so they begin to kind of, you know, people want more of it. People want to be around those kind of people. It's a resonance that I talk about. Because when you are aligned with your heart, mind, and body, when you are coming from that truthful space and you have worked out with somebody like myself what that truth is, what each of the people in the team need, what their issues might be as opposed to what you think they are. Well, that person's always lazy. Well, they're probably not. You need to look at why they're not performing. What's going on? Are they suited to the space? Are they not? Do they need some other encouragement? Do they need other support? What's really going on? When you really help them to really leverage the human capital, when you teach them to really, really take time with the people that they're, you know, working with, and, and to really get to know them on a personal level, you see, I believe, Matt, that people really want to be seen and heard. And when you truly are able to see them, you are going to get the best out of them because when you really look at them and they really look at you and you have a real communication, a real conversation, one of the things that happens is that it creates an expansiveness in the heart and that expansiveness acts like a magnet. So that particular department suddenly begins to really succeed and would you put it down to me? Not if you weren't really looking at it statistically, not if you were going, well, what happened before Henry came along and what came, happened after Henry came along? And so, you know, it's, it, it is something that if they start to really, really think about it, there's an intangible quality to how the shifts happen, but there's a real tangibleness to the success that comes. And, but the success is really more an attitude. The success is more about how each of them feel. So not just the leader, but the team, the whole department, the organization and the people around them. So it impacts relationships, it impacts you know, other employees, it impacts other people, it impacts the other people people involved in the organization in terms of the communication, cross-communication between silos. And, and that is really where they are able to say this really, really works. And that's where they won't necessarily speak to somebody in the organization and say to that department, another department, let's get him in. But they'll definitely talk to other people they're networking with. Well, you know, I don't know what Hema does, but actually you just 
me need to speak to her, she'll be able to. <laughs> right. I don't know what she does, but you need her. That's uh, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. You know, look, they they have a a benchmark. There, there's a there's a pain point. Whatever's happening, yes. they they bring you in, and it's easy. Uh, I wouldn't say easy, but for them to at least recognize. <laughs> through whatever it is that you do and certainly it's it's a different dynamic in in every case that it leads to less pain and when you're talking about individuals at the highest level in a corporate structure like that and I know that what you do applies across the board and we're going to get to that as well but in this case there are those egos and there is you know the whole the, the politics that that occur and your role in helping them just be more heart-centered in and into itself has to reduce friction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, wonderful, wonderful. Anything more on the large corporate? Because I imagine it's a very different engagement when you're dealing with independents and startups. But I want to make sure that we're complete. Uh, did I miss anything in terms of how you do what you do in the larger corporate structure? Um, no, I just wanted to add that, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It is the friction that really, that's that's really, you know, what I would say is part of my job is to minimize that and to shift that energy because when you get rid of a lot of the friction and a lot of things that take up a lot of space, you know, it's those little ego sort of struggles, the power struggles um, that take up a lot of time and energy and actually it stops performance. And so that's one of the main things that I think we need to look at. And that's what I'm trying to help. It, it sounds to me like you're being polite when you say little ego struggles. <laughs> I'm sure there's a big ego struggles and believe me, I've seen them. I've seen them and I understand, you know, it's, it's so interesting, you know, that they bring you in to resolve that. And no doubt you, you have a, a tremendous impact on, on solving those pain points so that they can continue in what it is that they're meant to be doing in terms of working together and thriving. Now, when you are working with independents and startups, that's, that's very different. And I can speak to that more personally as well as one myself and, and and I don't know how much we might get into the masculine and feminine energy but I I will say that I recognize I kind of talk about having man brain uh in in one sense mainly because I can't do two things at once I I can't multitask so that's mainly what that has to do with but it's, I also have uh, a tendency to say the least to be in my thoughts and because I can't do two things at once Truly, I recognize this about myself when I'm when I'm being cerebral and I'm trying yes. to work through things, whether that's communicating or otherwise, it is very difficult to connect back to the heart. And and then that creates a gap in terms of communication and uh, enabling others to really connect with you authentically. Um, help me understand what engagement. Am I describing that situation well? Is, am I? I feel like now I'm being selfish. I feel like I'm the perfect case study for you. <laughs> no, not at all. But that's perfect. The what you, how you described it, it's so true. And that's why one of the tools that I teach, you know, is really about the, you know, the importance of discipline, the importance of, you know, if we try and get the tools or the resources we need when we're already in a crisis point, we're not going to be able to apply it as well. 
because in that moment we are contracted we are in our heads we're not able to think straight and so therefore you know or a straight we, we're able to think but we're not able to feel and it's that disconnect from what we feel because each moment is different and a lot of the brain activity is based on memory and what we've learned and what we already know and a lot of heart-based energy is really about the unknown it's about the uncertainty it's about the possibilities and you know the inspiration comes from the heart we we you know when we breathe in and we really connect with our hearts that inspiration comes and that's what allows the mind to be expansive in its thinking but when we're in in a situation where there's a problem the mind shuts down and we try and look for you know sort of memories we try and connect to the memory of how to solve a problem and that doesn't really work so when you apply the discipline of connecting to your heart every day as a matter of course then when you are in a situation where something is overwhelming or stressful or difficult or you don't know how to solve a problem or how to get through a situation if you have that discipline to step into your heart you're able to tap into it a lot more easily so one of the things that I notice when I work with people is I can always tell and they go, how do you know when I teach them to meditate deeply, you know, the silent meditation, deep meditation, not, not just sort of switching off your thoughts for a little bit, but really, really using it as a tool to give you the answers that you're looking for. The people who do it, I know instantly because the minute I say to them, okay, just close your eyes, they're already there. They're already in that space. And the people who are not the ones who are not doing it as a daily discipline. And so that's what I would say is that for, especially for men, because men are, have been taught and brought up to be cerebral. And so, um, and yet I'd say, of course, they're incredibly heart-centered, a lot of them but they don't know how to connect with that feeling, to know that that's where they are. They usually can be, you know, often they are, and I find men are sometimes slightly easier to work with than women because there's less resistance. When they've decided they're going to learn about the heart, there's less resistance. Um, but it right. is a tool and it is a skill that I would say people can benefit. And, and it's simply just knowing what it looks like and what it feels like and so that you're able to go okay well that's the, that's where i need to go that's what i need to tap into yeah i totally get the life skill part of it and and i am really speaking from personal experience in this way and this is somewhat where i am in uh, in my current endeavors and uh you know i i do think i'm a little hardwired as a man to be whether i'm taught or, or that's how my brain works uh, but it certainly resonates to me like, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, I'm, I'm completely willing to do it. It's a matter of making that connection. So I want to keep, I want to keep peeling the onion here a little bit and get even more practical. You mentioned discipline, you mentioned meditation. Now to me, the initial thought about discipline is doing something that, that you're still going to do something, even if you don't want to do it. Like I have the discipline. If I'm going to go to the gym twice a day, I may not want to go, but I've made this commitment. I'm going to do that. Um, the discipline in terms of the practice of what it is that you are describing and going into meditation. Please be more specific. How does someone actually make that shift? How do you lead them? If let's say I want to 
get into the space and close my eyes and start meditating. I might do it as you first described, close my eyes, but like, okay, now what do I do? Um, well, now what do I do? Oh, well, I think that's part of my program. So part of my program is actually giving people the, what I call the education, you know, the real understanding, how do you motivate somebody? You motivate somebody by really, really speaking to what's really important to them. And we find a connection to a discipline, if, depending on what's important to you. Now, if you want to turn your, let's say you're a startup or an independent, and you want to turn that not only into a thriving business, but you also want to enjoy it. Like you want, you, most businesses, small businesses, startup businesses, you know, they start because they're passionate about something. But usually it's something that, you know, maybe there's a gap in the market. So you start something that perhaps somebody else isn't doing. And so that requires a real kind of belief in yourself and real ability to wake up and do the things you don't want to do. And so what I say is that when you learn about how meditation works, why it works, how it can give you what you want, how it can help you not only grow your business, but to thrive in your business, but to do it in a way that you enjoy and to do it in a way that is sustainable, to do it in a way that is that it's always growing. So you're always, you've got new ideas, you've got new input, you've got new energy, and you have the energy to do it. You're not burnt out in the first several years where, you know, you've worked for so long and eventually you burn out because there's just nothing more to give. And that's where something like, and it's not just meditation, but there's lots of tools about really learning to empower ourselves and, you know, um, and kind of connecting to ourselves, connecting to what's really and that's where the heart comes into it because when you have the education the discipline follows you know why do you want to go to the gym if you only want to go to the gym because somebody told you you should go you're not going to want to do it whereas if you see a tangible difference if you see your energy levels are up you know you feel better in yourself you look better in yourself and that's important to you as well as the health aspect then you're going to do it and it's the same with this. It's about really helping people to go, okay, what's your vision? How are you going to get there? Well, I can give you a shortcut. And that shortcut is actually not quite what you would think. The shortcut doesn't mean you cut out so many other things. The shortcut is how can you get there using your own self as a vehicle to guide you there, as opposed to thinking you've got to do as opposed to thinking you've got to read more, learn more, go on more courses, do more things right. in order to be successful. Right. Yeah, I mean, it definitely comes from within, no doubt. I mean, we're talking about being heart-centered. And, uh, again, it's it's just naturally easiest for me to relate to myself under these circumstances. I, I am a heart-centered individual. I can say that I am, and yet I do still experience that disconnect quite 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 pointedly and that I'm aware of it. And, uh, you know, in, in my case, and of course my listeners know this, uh, for what it is that I'm doing in the book and the podcast and getting into speaking, but also developing courses and, uh, the life upgrade course. And so it's, it's easy for me to be, well, Oh, my course is this and my course is that, and it does this and it does that, but it's not about the course. It's about the, the, the people who the course is for and disconnecting in a way based on what I hear you 
saying, Hema, in that, and, and I want to come back to the meditation side of it, but that there has to be, in my view, some kind of a release, that you have to let go, and maybe that's something that isn't around confidence, and say, I know that I'm confident that, that it is what it is or what have you, and I don't have to be worried about, you know, my module two is about this or, you know, any of that as much as I got it. I got it. And be comfortable within myself to be able to shift over to leading from my own heart. And now at the point of making that shift, and I want to, you're saying at the foundation of this, in terms of developing this practice, it's meditation, correct? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And it's also, it's about aligning the heart and the mind and the body. It is about, you know, bringing together your cognitive abilities, your intuitive abilities, and your emotional abilities. Because what is success? Success is where there is a balance of all of who we are. So when you are in that state of balance, then you are going to know that that module is just right. There's a knowingness, a feeling, and a connection to your intelligence your intuition and a feeling of, yeah, this is it, I've nailed it. And we all have those moments. We all know what it feels like. And so part of the education is how can we feel that on a daily basis? And definitely meditation is one of the most amazing tools because what meditation does for you is it, it takes away all the clutter. If you imagine a room and it's got so much clutter in it, you're not going to be able to find what you're looking for easily. Whereas you have things put away nice and neatly and you know where things have gone. When you get rid of all the clutter and you can see things clearly, then it takes so much less time to go in and go like, that's what I need right now. And so that's where success is. Success is not spending more time doing too many things. Success comes from having that inner knowingness and it's right there always when you need it. And so when you do your course, for example, you know, yeah, you can ask 10 different people to go, okay, will you read it? Is it right? Do you think it's going to speak to the audience? Who is the audience? I don't know. So there's so much cerebral energy that goes into that. Right. right? But when you come from your heart, I'm telling you, your heart connects you to each and every other living being. And it connects you to your audience. And when you are clear in your heart about what your proposition is, they are going to feel it. And they're going to find you, even if they don't know what it is, they're going to go, right, we want that. We don't know exactly what it is, but actually that's what we need. And when they come, you're going to be in that space where your heart connects you to that communication that goes on between you without words, without all the extra cerebral thing. And that's going to create space for you to flourish because imagine if you're not spending all that time going, we have to test and we have to do this and we have to do that. And there's that knowingness that comes from within you and you attract all the right people at the right time, then you've got so much more time to actually give back to the world. And I think for me, that's my greatest motivation. I feel people should have more time doing more of what they love and being impactful and being of influence but yet being able to do it in a way where they're doing what they love, but also have time for the people they love, for the things they love. It's interesting, and, I, and I'm, I can relate to what it is that you describe, right? They don't necessarily know what HEMA does, 
but they know they need you. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. right, you come, they, you come in and, and do what you do. Um, and at the same time, you know, part of this, and I've certainly covered this on the show before, in and around the law of attraction and being magnetic. And what resonates for me here is, you know, being in being heart centered, that that's really what is uh, powering your magnetism. That you're yes. that, right. The, so you're making that shift and now I want to focus on powering, uh, see, I'm, I'm cerebral right now, right. As I, as I think this through, uh, but now let's say I go over to meditating. I, I don't have a lot of experience with meditating. I have to be honest now, you know, so where do I start? So, so let's say I do five minutes. Am I clearing my thoughts by trying to, uh, come back to a singular thought? I'm, I'm oming. I'm doing, you know, every time I, I'm going to wander, I come back to the breath. Um, what, what would a, an initial in, uh, a skill development look like here as an individual? So if you've, if you've not meditated, then I would say that it's worth really, really understanding because you will stay in your head if you don't understand what you're doing. You will stay in your head if you don't understand why you're doing it. And you will stay in your head if you have a misunderstanding about what it is. And a lot of people have a misunderstanding. A lot of people think it's, you know, that you bomb or you, you, want, you, you want to stop your thoughts. Well, no, you don't want to stop your thoughts. You actually want to inspire your thoughts so that your thoughts are, you know, really empowering. And so it's not about stopping your thoughts as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, we're not monks. We're not sitting in a mountaintop, you know, on a mountaintop and, and wanting just to, to become enlightened. We're here to be of service. And so there's a different level of meditation for being of service, I would say. And so really, number one is to really know yourself. Because the more you know yourself, you're not going to be shaken by anybody else. And that's one of the number one things I teach the people I work with. You know, when you have that inner knowingness of who you are, nothing anybody else outside of you says is going to negatively impact you or positively right. impact you. You know, you are on your path and that's so important. Yeah. So when you know exactly what meditation is, why you're doing it, I'd say the, the one main thing that you want to have in any meditation is an intention you know the whole world has been brought to life with intention everything starts with an intention and so when you have an intention like my intention is you know to to really be of service to these people i know they need my help and i want to be of service to these people these big organizations for me they need the help that i have to give and i want to be of service so when you have that intention when you connect with what your intention is and you go okay i'm just going to just silence myself and listen to what my heart has to tell me about how i can achieve this I promise you, you sit there every day for five to 10 minutes, you will be able to hear what your heart has to tell you. And what your heart has to tell you will be far more intelligent and intuitive than what your cerebral mind will tell you, because your mind can only work at the level of what it already knows. Say that last part again. Your mind can only work at the level of what it already knows. Of what it already knows. Got it. Yeah, I can definitely check that first box off. I know who I am. I don't really uh, have uh, anybody knock me off uh, balance uh, in in that way. So I feel 
perhaps a little bit more ahead of the game than I realized. Uh, and we're only talking about five or ten minutes a day. I really thought it, I, I, I want to get to the practical. I want to get right down to the ground level, um, not just talking about this um, cerebrally uh, as to what uh, as to what people can do. So I know what I'm doing after this. I'm going to take five or ten minutes. I'm going to focus on uh, exactly what it is that you described. I told you I was being selfish here. I knew I was being selfish. It's okay. I, it's my prerogative hosting the show. Absolutely. Now, Emma, I, before we get over to your insights to live by, I want to make sure that we fully covered what it is. This is the core topic of our conversation. We've covered it more from at the, at, at a highest, you know, in a corporate environment. Now we're down to the individual level. Are there any other aspects around being an, an, an omnipreneur uh, that you think uh, is worth delving into at this time, or do you feel as though we've we've really covered the gamut? Uh, we've covered it. The only uh, one extra thing I would add is that it is about recognizing that organizations and people, individuals, any level of business, we are looking for meaning. And so part of really knowing ourselves, connecting with our heart, is finding that meaning in life. And it's not about, you know, getting an education, getting a job, getting the family, you know, getting the big house, the big car, the whatever. Law of attraction talks a lot about that. And that's not what this is about. This is about that inner happiness, that inner contentment, that inner joy, that inner sense of love. And so for me, omnipreneurship is really about bringing that to all aspects of life especially business because the business is needed and I would also say it's about how do we live authentically but in a way that is meaningful and also takes care of the planet that we're living on so you know it's not just about depleting the earth's resources and and taking what we can so that we can feel proud of ourselves that our business is thriving no we have to do it in a way that we are taking care of other people that we are taking care of ourselves our relationships but also the planet that we live on and every living organism and that's a big you know call for me that's what i'm really interested in really getting across that impact yeah, I think it's fairly well known whether it's uh, someone, you know, back into the into the corporate space from a leadership standpoint, that it is the purpose and the meaning that is a, a much greater driver than really anything else. And certainly we uh, align and um, what's the word I'm looking for that we associate our, our career and our business dealings more with our impact than perhaps anything except maybe having children and the things that matter to us in our personal lives. So it really does align in this way. And uh, certainly as we get to your insights to live by, uh, we may continue to stay on theme here, or we could go in any other direction that you would like, Hema. Uh, But before we do, uh, you may know that we have a staple on the show here uh, about gaining insights about you. And I'm, I'm bringing up on the screen uh, as my listeners know, the Wheel of Insights, here you say about Hema Vaez, and we're going to give this a spin as soon as my little my little wheel is is done spinning on my computer. Let's see how we where we're going to end up here on these 12 items, and uh, let's learn a few things about you. Here we go. Wonderful. <laughs> so this has been on the wheel for some time. Hema, what is your ideal superpower? Um, probably to be able to 
heal anything and anyone. I like it. It's kind of like a Wolverine-ish type superpower, mm-hmm. except you're extending it to those around you. I like it. That's that's wonderful. And I will say that those those who were on uh, you know on the show uh, just once a year, we're in our year two now, um, are the only ones to get a question. So until year three, no one else will be telling us what their superpower is. So uh, the healing superpower, awesome. Okay, so let's go to this one more time, and then we'll get into insights to live by. The Wheel of Insights. I love the wheel, by the way. Oh, thank you. I, you know, it was originally my wife's idea, and it's, it's taken hold ever since. This, too, is also, I think, one of those questions that you may well be perfect for. Not the easiest question, which is to say I'm buying you a little time here. As you see, what might be some of your predictions for the year 20? 50 wow i'm gonna i'm gonna really go out there and and, you know go out on a limb you know i i think that the world is going to be a completely different place i feel like there's going to be smaller communities people are going to be far more community centered far more heart centered i think there's going to be a real shift you know the values and you know definitely working less hours um, but be working far, far more intelligently, um, and values are going to really, really be right up there. People are going to value connection. People are going to value the heart. People are going to value the feminine energy. I think there are going to be more women running the world. I think women are going to be incredibly powerful and empowered, and I think that we're going to create a world where there is definitely more harmony, more balance. And, and and we're going to see the positive impact of that, you know, more feminine energy, more women in, in you know, really positive positions. And I don't want to say power, it's not about power, it's, it's about, you know, their input being valued. And that's going to leadership. Be, yeah, leadership, exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think that's going to have a huge impact on communities and how the world is run. And it's going to be a much better place than it already is. I look forward to it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you know, it's interesting when you talk about smaller communities, uh, for whatever reason, what comes to mind is um, Malcolm Gladwell and, and a study that he did in Blink. And he talked about, um, I don't think it was his study, he was referring to one in terms of the power of 150. And that a community, are you familiar with this? Yes. Yeah, I, I thought so. Yeah, so uh, a community once it gets to 150 uh, and beyond, it starts to dissipate the 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 connective the connective tissue, if you will, of uh, that that tribal experience and the way that we as humans have evolved and are used to be connected in our the way we're wired socially. Uh, it 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 almost is beyond our capacity to be able to hold everything together past 150. So when you talk about smaller communities, what comes to mind is that people will recognize that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and, you know, actually use it to their advantage. This idea of this global kind of network, you know, I mean, it's lovely connecting with people. And I think that will definitely continue holographs and, you know, holograms and all sorts you know but I do also think that we're going to appreciate the local communities more and we need to come back to that a little bit I think 
Yeah, I'd say, you know, now more than ever, for obvious reasons, people are certainly yearning that. Uh, it's, you know, you walk down the street and there's some, you know, strangers 20 yards away and you're like, Hey, how's it going? Right? Just, just to try and make a connection with someone. So, uh, and with that, Hema, that brings us to your three insights to live by. And certainly you can order these in any way that you want. If you have one that stands above the rest, feel free to save that for being your third, but you're the guest. You get to decide here. Uh, Hema, what is your first insight to live by? Connect with your heart. Find what it means to connect with your heart and live from your heart space because your heart knows the way. Your heart knows the truth of your destiny. Your heart knows exactly who you are, where you're going, and where you are going to be of the, the best service to yourself and to others around you. Live from your heart. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And certainly it's on theme and I would expect, uh, expect that uh, from you. Uh, but it's a great reinforcement. And I, I think that there needs to be a greater buy-in, you know, back to the original statement and leading off the show. And uh, what's more intelligent, you know, really, you know, being in your brain or your heart. And I don't know that there's enough of that awakening yet to recognize the heart intelligence and uh, in, in, in the great work that you're doing. Uh, you know, helping to, to move that needle so that we can get to, we're not there yet, I don't think, but toward that tipping point that is going, another Malcolm Gladwell reference, right, that's going to get us closer to your prediction for 2050. Wonderful, wonderful. So now, Hema, perhaps we'll be staying on theme or you can definitely go in a different direction. What is your second insight to live by? Um, connect with nature. And there's an intelligence in nature that, you know, it, it is the same as a heartbeat. All of nature has a heartbeat and it may not sound like our hearts. It may not look like our hearts, but there is absolutely an intelligence there. And, you know, when I say connect to nature, what I mean is that, you know, with modern world and modern technology, we've disconnected a little bit. You know, we wake up whenever we want to wake up because we can put the light on if it's the middle of the night or, you know, we can close the curtains or whatever it might be but when we really tune ourselves with nature we find balance we find harmony and when we are in the state of balance and harmony then all of intelligence flows within us and through us so connecting with nature is absolutely essential and it's not necessarily of course it's important if you live in a city you might not have too much nature around you, right but there's so many ways we can connect with nature plants animals uh, you know our own visualization, our own senses. The mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. So you can imagine you're on a beautiful beach every day of every year. If you're not living near the beach, nothing to stop you going there. I'll tell you my next meditation practice. I might go right there with the beach. I, that sounds like a really good thing. I haven't, I haven't traveled to the beach too, too much this year, but so essential in the sense that to me, it's, you know, we were talking about meditation and uh, its role in becoming more heart-centered. And my impression when we talk about connecting with nature is that that's another key vehicle to, uh, you know, help us kind of come out of our heads and experience it, as well as in the quality of life and mindfulness. And if nothing else in connecting with nature, it's that, like meditation, that important vehicle to just be present. You know, right, we, we, we have so many ruminations and so much noise in our brains about uh, things that have happened or worrying about things that may happen. Uh, always need to come back to the moment, 
which again is the only time life is actually happening. Okay. That's true. <laughs> so Hema, mm-hmm. on to your third and final insight to live by. What would you like to share? Travel. Travel and experience other cultures and experience other people because you know what gives our hearts, our minds, our bodies the greatest sense of nourishment is is change and variety. We need it. We you know we all get stuck in our little world, you know, and computers and etc. Especially last year, you know, we've all been sort of sat at home a lot of the time, etc. And you know, you realize when it gets taken away from you, the importance of cross-cultural, the importance of learning from other cultures, other people, um, and really, you know, and really being immersed in it. It's one thing to meet somebody locally who comes from somewhere else, but, you know, when we really, really connect with people from other cultures, your mind expands and your heart expands because your mind is going, wow, I never knew there was another way of doing things. I never knew there was another way of looking at things. I never knew, you know, for example, sitting at a table and meeting with a knife and fork and you go to another culture, which is my culture, actually. You know, and I sit on the floor and I eat with my hands and and you think, oh, God, that can't be right. That's quite, you know, <laughs> sort of uncivilized. And then you do it and you go, oh, my God, food tastes so much better when you eat with your hands. And actually, you're actually really, really supporting your healthy, you know, inner organs and you're supporting sort of healthy um, energy flow and all sorts of things there's so many benefits to it so the more you can connect with different people learn from different people I think the more we learn empathy and empathy is much much needed in the world that we live I love it I love it uh and you know in, in all the shows very there have been similar themes of different people's insights to live by but you know even this far into the show uh, we rarely have the same ones. The, the ones that you just gave are unique. And I think that the, uh, the, the description about traveling, connecting to people in other cultures is, is by extension also much like your second in and around connecting with nature and just expanding your horizons and your, your connectivity in that way. There being no substitute for experience uh, you know what, Hema, I would like to get away from my computer a little while longer. The moment you said that, I have to go talk to my wife after the show. But where are we going? Because <laughs> like, yeah. I'm ready for a change. Um, Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, now, I certainly want to uh, give a little space for anything that you'd like to share, a website or um, what uh, directive you might have for things that people can learn and begin practicing to become more heart-centered. It's your time. You can do whatever you'd like. But first, would it be okay... Let- to go back to the wheel one more yeah, time, just to learn one more thing about you. Um, it's funny, you know, for, for the 2050 predictions question, you clearly are the right person to be answering that. You didn't even hesitate. Okay, here we go. Emma, what is your perfect day? Well, well my perfect day is pretty much... Um, in nature, on the beach, but also, you know, up meditating, doing my yoga, teaching. You know, I love teaching people. I love sharing knowledge, wisdom, learning from them at the same time. So, you know, my retreat is would be my perfect day. Waking up, doing that, massage, sitting, getting some sunshine, you know, getting a swim in, um, 
just a warmth and being surrounded by love, being surrounded by people and doing what I love. Wow. I look forward to going back and listening to the last 15 seconds because it sounds wonderful. And I'll, I'll be creating that as my new day. Uh, I love how you threw the massage in, in there. It's just like, yeah. and get a massage. That's like, very <laughs> yeah. perfect. Absolutely. Um, well, I so appreciate you. Uh, Emma, uh, anything else you'd like to share? What Your website, we can put in the show notes. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I so appreciate you, Matt. That was, it went so quickly, the time. It was such a lovely, lovely conversation and it was beautiful flow. And, you know, the only thing I want to add, I know you're going to put my website, but yeah, please, please do sign up. We have a community as well. It's a, a free community. We share lots of things like meditations and talks and, and it's just a way of people connecting from wherever they are in the world. And so, yeah. Is it, it, I know you're so modest about this. Is it hemavias.com or the hem? It's hemavias.com. Okay, perfect. And that's uh, V hema, H E M A V Y A S.com. I practiced that before the show, just so you know. All right. Well, Hema, thank you so much. I love the conversation. We really got down at ground level. uh, Some, some insights that no doubt can help a lot of people if they tune in and make a shift and just become a little bit more, if not a lot more, heart-centered. Thank you, Hema. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Insights to Live By. Be sure to connect with me at mattzinman.com in our happierness community and get our free video series, Three Zisms for a Better Life. Wishing you and yours an enriching day, and we'll see you next time.